Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Uh, we're, we're kicking off and still talking a little bit about some relationships. Um, you know, when I started thinking about relationships, I started thinking about uh, kind of a, a classic social media. Okay, all, all of us, I assume, are familiar with social media, right? Like, everybody shake your head up and down. Like, you have Twitter, which is X, which is super confusing now. And then it's like Facebook and then Instagram and TikTok. And if I see any middle school girls dance on TikTok and Babcock Ranch Park again, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, there's a lot that's happening when it comes to all these kind of social medias. But when I go back, way back, I think of the classic one. Maybe if some of you uh, still have one, a MySpace. Anybody there? Come on, check this out. I like updated my MySpace, right? Oh, hey, check me out. Like I got my top eight right there. I got like Brittany, Bodie, Briar, Blakely, and then I got like the, some of the pastors on there, and they've already all been moved off my top eight because I'm mad at them now. I'm adding a new bottom four. You know, like, anybody remember that? You know, like you had your top eight. Some of us are like dating ourselves, millennials in the room. Um, but here's the thing: there's this top eight that doomed me when I was in middle school. Because when I first had a MySpace, I wondered whose top eight I was on. So I started looking at like my best friend's top eight friends. You know, you picked your favorite friends and you put them up there. I wasn't on them. That cute girl, you know, middle school, pre-algebra class. I'm like, yeah, I got to be on her top eight. She sent me a note last week. Not there. And I remember being this middle school, Blake, frustrated and struggling that I'm not in anybody's top eight. And it started to like mess with me a little bit. And I was like, what is happening? This is, this is my space. Who cares? Like my boys that I hung out with, my best friends that I was growing up, and I wasn't in their top eight. I wasn't there selected. I was forgotten about. I was overlooked. I wasn't seen. Is how I felt. Now that's my space. But have you ever felt like that in life? Forgotten, not seen overlooked in life? Have you ever struggled with that? Today, we're going to be talking about the adversity of being forgotten. The adversity of being forgotten. If you're taking notes, I would like to invite you to, to read, write, and recite all that we talk about today because then you'll, better be, then you'll be able to retain and, and live this out, these four walls, a little bit better of what we talk about and, and, and preach about. The adversity of being forgotten. There's many ways that we're forgotten about. We're forgotten when we don't get the invite to the wedding, to the, to the friend hangout. We're forgotten about when the guy's trip is happening and you weren't part of the guy group. We're forgotten about whenever we expected our grandkids to give us a phone call and we haven't heard from the kids in, in a very long time. They forgot about us. Or maybe people forget about us because, man, like I had this crazy amount of career accomplishments and now I'm feeling like I'm a nobody, not seen by anybody. Maybe you feel forgotten about right now because you look over and, and it's your spouse and, you know, you haven't really gone on a date, they haven't remembered the anniversary and... You know, you kind of feel like you're just roommates living together right now. And you just feel the sense of being forgotten. Friend moves away. They never call you again. And you're like, but we were so close. Or maybe you take someone on a great date and you're like, woo, like they are the one. And, and you shoot them a text. Ghosted. Never hear from again. 
forgotten about. There's many ways where we feel that we have been forgotten about. We're in this series called Social Struggles. A couple weeks ago, we talked about betrayal, how we have to navigate betrayal in life. Betrayal is real in life. Today, we're talking about what it's like to be forgotten about. How do we get past that? How do we move forward when we feel like we're in seasons of of being overlooked and not seen and, and forgotten? And we're in this uh, series because a lot of times when it comes to our relationships in our lives, we talk about how we have to create the best relationships. We talk about how we need to put in boundaries. We talk about how we need to have all these things to to build and and, and architect these relationships in life. But here's the thing. Your best relationships will have adversity in them, right? There will be some social struggles with them, correct? And your best relationships will get through those adversities. The most deepest relationships that I have have faced some of the hardest times that I've gone through. And so when you're in relationships, the mark of a great relationship isn't that the adversity rises and that you forget about it or just push it off or push it down, but when the adversity arises is how do you navigate it, how do you get it through? Because even the closest people you know will forget about you a time or two again. And so we've been in this series, and a big idea of this series of social struggles is this. Allow adversity with people to grow you personally with God. You might be going through some hard times with people in your life. Allow that adversity that you're navigating right now to draw you a step closer to who Jesus could be in your life. And the hope is when you're drawing closer, God's going to be working through your relationships. When you draw closer vertically, God's going to be working horizontally in your relationships. So allow the adversity that you face with people to grow you personally with God. We're talking about this man by the name of Joseph, a very popular individual in Genesis. And uh, we're going to be talking about his life and at a time in a season when he was forgotten about. But I want to give you a quick crash course to where we are at in the narrative of Joseph's life. Now, Joseph comes from a pretty uh, mixed up, messed up uh, uh, kind of family, if you would say. His brothers sold him off into slavery. Now, can you imagine your own family, your own siblings selling you off into slavery? Pretty daunting, like take a step back. I encourage every family that feels like you have a very unique, struggling family, go read the book of Genesis. You'll think your family is looking like pretty awesome right now. Genesis is full of a lot of whacked up, crazy families, and it gives us all hope in this room. That's why we celebrate a little bit. But see, in Joseph's life, he gets sold off into slavery, ends up at this guy's house by the name of Potiphar's house. He's a captain in the Egyptian guard. And, and what happens is Joseph is, is such a good steward and such a hard worker that he actually becomes the second in the household next to Potiphar. But Joseph's got this thing. He, he's, he's tall, dark, and handsome. He's got this six-pack. He can rep 225 like 25 times. And Potiphar's wife comes and starts noticing Joseph. Boss's wife starts noticing the help. You know some trouble's about to be brewing, right? We stopped about halfway in the story because, I'll be honest with you, most of us don't have that problem. You know, like, you know, 99% of us, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, I doubt it. We don't look like Joseph, all right? And so we see this, what happens is Potiphar's wife is making moves, making advances on Joseph. And Joseph's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not about to do this. Nope, I can't do this. And, and he pauses and he stops, but it's one point. Potiphar's wife gets him cornered in this room, grabs his cloak, rips it off him, 
runs out after she's just being done, being passed over, runs out and says, look, he tried to assault me. Look, he tried to make moves on me. And of course, Potiphar believes his wife. Potiphar's done with Joseph, sends him into jail. Man, talk about some bad luck, some some struggles. A lot of people think that Joseph's story is just God's providence at work, which is a theological term where God works everything in order. Basically, like God makes everything happen for an exact reason. When I read the book of Joseph, or when I read the book of Genesis, the story about Joseph, I look at it as part of God's providence and God's sovereignty. God's providence is, yes, God can align anything to make work and and to put order to what needs to be ordered to, but God is also a sovereign God where out of his sovereignty and out of his uh, uh, divine nature, he gives us the ability to give us free will to make our choices. So you see that there's parties in the story of Joseph where they're combating and they're going back and forth when it comes to what they do with Joseph, how does Joseph live, people uh, add their own flavor in, but God is always at work through the story. God is always at work in our lives now. And so we see the story of Joseph, that he's faced with some really hard times, that it doesn't seem like he can really catch a break, but God is always at work. My point that I want to illustrate here, whenever you're reading the story of Joseph, is no matter what you're going through, no matter what choices you've made, no matter what kind of free will that you've you, you decided to live out in your life, God can still be at work. And even though there's some things that have been hard, God can make things better. And so I encourage you with that. And if you need encouragement with that, read approximately the 10 chapters about Joseph and see how God works. So when we look at Joseph's story, we find him now in jail. But Joseph, while he's in jail, does what Joseph does, and, and he is a remarkable individual. Some parallel him next to Jesus because that's the snapshot we get when Moses writes about him in the book of Genesis, that Joseph seemingly can't really do anything wrong but gets a lot of wrong done to him. So we see Joseph, he's in jail, and and he starts earning favor with the prison warden. And as he's earning favor with the prison warden, he becomes the prison warden's right-hand man. So imagine that, sold off into slavery, and then wrongly accused, put in prison, and now that's where you're at. So as, as, as Joseph is in prison, a couple things start happening, a couple things start coming about, God's intervention starts taking place, and we come to a couple dreams. Joseph has dreams all around him. First dream I want to read to you comes by this man of the cupbearer, and uh, it's a positive dream that he gets. In Genesis chapter 40, verses 9 and 15, so there's this chief cupbearer, And again, it's not this person that's just walking around holding the wine for the king. It's this guy who oversaw, he was like the BevMo CEO. Like he oversaw all the products from Coke to wine, to the beers, to the whiskeys. He saw everything in Egypt. That's this chief cupbearer. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his first dream. In my dream, he said, I saw the grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches and began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief Cupbearer. So in other words, he's going back to his prominent position over all the land of Egypt, which is the most influential kingdom there. 
And then this is what happens in verse 14. And Joseph says, and please remember me and do a favor for me. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so that I might get out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison and I have not done nothing to deserve it. So just like, hey, I'm giving you a favor, man. Please remember me. Please remember me. So Joseph, he's this dreamer. He's the right hand of the warden. He's talking to this premier official, hoping maybe this is his golden ticket out of prison. And so this other official, the chief baker, you know, little Debbie's overseer right here comes into the picture. He's like, hey, dude, they got a positive dream. I want to know what's in store for me. And, And so he comes to Joseph. He's like, here's my dream. Please help me with this. And then this is what happens. It's more so on the negative side. As the chief cut prayer, he goes, this is what your dream. Gets told a dream. This is what your dream means. Joseph told him the three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, here's what he's telling the chief baker, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. So positive dream, negative dream. And then we see both dreams play out. In Genesis chapter 40, verse 20 or 23, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later and he prepared a banquet for his officials and his staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hold Pharaoh's cup, hand Pharaoh his cup. But the Pharaoh, but Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dreams. Pharaoh's, here, here's, here's the, the line we're going to focus on. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Never giving him another thought. Influential, helped someone out, did a favor for him, yet was never given another thought. So I want to talk to you today, what to remember when you feel forgotten, what to remember when you feel forgotten, just as Joseph has did. First, number one for us is this, God favors the faithful. God favors the faithful. When you're forgotten, be faithful. When you're forgotten, be faithful. Seek favor from him over favor from them. That's what we have to hone in on faithfulness to God. You have to be a faithful follower of Jesus. You have to be a faithful person to God's church. You have to be faithful in the way you're going to live your life, build your life, faithful in developing your character. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. It's faithful to God. Favor follows faithfulness. I like to illustrate it this way. Uh, My boys in very much real time uh, they, they, they love playing sports. And, and there's this thing that, you know, in some of the, the rec leagues that they play around that, that there's like the game ball that's given to after the game. And so like, you know, of course, when a kid's six, he's like, dude, I want the game ball, you know, like, and I'm like, well, dude, you got to earn the game ball, but uh, you know, you got to kind of go through these things. And, and it's funny, they get in the car after the game, they're like, oh man, I didn't get the game ball. And I'm like, dude, what's the matter about the game ball? There's two requirements being a part of the Hanson household whenever you engage, whenever you play a sport, whenever you do an extracurricular, whenever you you do anything that's outside of maybe father's watch. First one is this. You play, you work as hard as you possibly can. You hustle. If I got to tell you to hustle, we're going to be hustling at home. We're going to be running trees. We're going to be running in the grass. And secondly, you listen as good as you can. Now, 
I'm a little bit of a unicorn. I'm a little different. I think a little different. Like, don't judge me for it. Uh, bear with me. I, I talk a little funny at times. But I tell my kid, I said this, I don't care. I don't ever want to hear you talking about the game ball again. Two things will make father happy. One that you hustle and one that you listen well. Because here's the thing, everyone else, the world teaches us this, we want the game ball, we want the favor, we want everybody to see us. But the father is saying, I want you to be obedient, I want you to be faithful, I want you to listen. See, everybody wants to be noticed. Everybody wants to have their attention placed on them. Everybody wants to be that peer next to me. But what God is saying, you need to key in more on the faithfulness than you need to be worried about being favored from everybody else. And so that's important for us. God favors the faithful. We see this in Joseph's life in Genesis 39, 9. This is his response when Potiphar's wife's making a move on. He says, no one here is more, has no more authority than I do, uh, Joseph's saying, he has held back nothing from me except you, talking to Potiphar's wife, and because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. He doesn't say, uh, you know, like, hey, it might be good, or Potiphar's going to get mad. He goes, nope, it's going to be a sin against God. That's his language that he uses. A lot of times we look at favor a little bit differently. I want favor from my boss. I want favor from my boss, but here's the thing. Like you want the more benefits, you want the higher paying gig, but you're not living faithfully through your generosity. You want faithfulness with the spouse. You want, you want favor with the spouse. You want them to live a moral life, an ethical life. You want them to be, you know what I'm saying? Like you want them to be on point, but here's the thing. The way you're living your life outside wouldn't measure up what your, what your fish and wish wouldn't, wouldn't attract what you're doing and how you're living your life. Like you want somebody that your lifestyle doesn't match up with, but yet you want that favor. Favor with our children. We want our children to be favorited. We want them represented at schools. We want them represented with their teachers in their extracurriculars, on their teams. We want the coaches to notice them. But here's the thing. Sometimes we don't correct or discipline our kids like we ought to. I live in this idealistic world, I get told this quite often, is that when it comes to your, like, I like to believe that our children, as followers of Jesus, are some of the best ambassadors of representations of who we are. So that means when our kids are listening, when they're obeying, when they're following Jesus, when they're, when they're living a life where they're a joy to teach, a joy to coach, a joy to partner with, then, hey, that teacher's going to ultimately give them favor, but really it's going to be a representation of us. Now, I get things happen. My kids aren't going to be perfect. They are far from it, but it's idealistic world that we strive for in our household. Hey, when you show up to class, you're the best listener. Hey, when you're playing on the field, you're the hardest worker. Hey, when you're talking, you look eyeball to eyeball, and we're still working through these things, but it's faithfulness and consistency that is what brings favor from God. Solomon, the wisest king on earth, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, he tells his son, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. The book of Proverbs, known as a work of wisdom. He goes on in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4, So you will find favor and good success in sight of God and man. When you're faithful to God... The result is favor. In Proverbs 22, verse 1, and favor is better than gold and silver. 
See, people will often forget you, overlook you, pass you up, and in those seasons, faithfulness reigns out. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 just says this, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. This is what God says to us. And the biggest encouragement I can give you today Start being faithful to Jesus in your life. Start being faithful to what God can do in your life. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to know you. And when you start leading a life of faithfulness, favor follows. Secondly, when you feel forgotten, think about how you'll be noticed. Think about how you'll be noticed. Um, A lot of times, um, we don't like to have that pressure on ourselves. We don't like to think how I'll be noticed. You know, Scripture is very clear, like live a humble life. I I agree with that. But you have to think about what kind of impact you're leading with people. This is a guy, you'll see a picture of him. His name's Alec Brownstein. Now, uh, he, he went viral some years back because what he did is he pulled out Google ads on when he was trying to find a job He was looking in a creative firm, and he went to each of the CEOs, looks at their names, and he bought Google ads with their exact names. And this is what he says, everybody Googles themselves, even if they don't admit it. So he was banking on the fact that these CEOs who he was trying to get jobs with would Google themselves. So many CEOs thought it was intelligent, thought it was so wise that they hired him and he got a job. He was thinking how you'd get noticed whenever a job would present itself. I think one of the greatest guardrails that we can ask ourselves as followers of Jesus is, how are we going to be noticed? What are people going to say? What do I want to be known for? Joseph, a faithful, committed individual to God, a faithful individual that said no to Potiphar's wife, a faithful individual that didn't get bitter when he was sold off into slavery. How are we going to get noticed? Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, real big three principles for us. You are the light of the world. And in other words, you're radiant, you're energetic, you have a, 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 a something special about you, a joyful spirit about you, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In verse 15, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone. Everyone deserves to feel your presence. You're radiant. You have presence to you. And then in the same way, let your good deeds, we do good. How are you going to be noticed? By bringing in energy. How are you going to be noticed? By by, uh, uh, doing it for everybody and then letting our good deeds rain out, shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. How are you going to be noticed? When I think of people who are noticed uh, in our church, I think of Donna and Gary Price. This is an awesome picture of them. They uh, serve as our difference makers. Actually, this past year won our 2023 Difference Maker Award for being Put Me In Coach. We encourage everybody, be a difference maker, get involved, serve at your church. That's our serve team at our church. They are willing to do whatever needs to be done. They're noticed not because they're trying to get the attention. They're noticed because they're staying humble and they're serving and they're faithfully committed to God's church, God's, God's, uh, God's ways. And then guess what happens? They're noticed for the healthy right things, making an impact in so many different lives. Thirdly for us, whenever you feel forgotten, remember this, own the responsibility to communicate. Own the responsibility to communicate. I, uh, 
came across this quote from marriage and, and a couple was talking, they're going back and forth and go, yeah, we live by this uh, marriage code. They had some marriage problems. They said, hey, we didn't want to complicate our marriage. Said, Let's not complicate our relationship by trying to communicate with each other. Like, think about that. Like, someone said, hey, let's not mess up our marriage. Let's just not communicate, right? Like, let's just live together, you know? Like, how difficult would that be? Struggle, right? Wouldn't really make sense. Wouldn't really happen. But a lot of us fall into that. We don't communicate. We want other people to read our minds. Hey, you should know how I feel. I I get tired. Like, one of my, like, man, ah, struggles is when someone's like, I can't talk to them because... Like, I just feel like I can't talk to them. I'm like, but you got a problem with them. What scriptures say when you have a problem with them? Go address it with that person. Go talk to them. Go share your heart. Tell them what's up. Oh, I just, they're not going to listen. Like, you don't know till you try. You got to communicate. You know, a lot of times you say, I'm just not going to communicate. Joseph communicated very frequently. Joseph communicated very clearly. See, it is our responsibility as followers of Jesus to communicate well. In Genesis chapter 40, verse 14 and 15, he says, And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Joseph communicated clearly his expectations. Joseph communicated clearly in his time of need. Joseph took a chance. See, we at this church are people that communicate, not people that speculate. We're people that say, I'm going to approach an issue, I'm going to talk to somebody, and I'm going to encourage you to come back next week because we're going to be talking about the keys to communication. We're going to be talking about how we handle some confrontation. So we are people that communicate, not people that speculate. And then lastly, when you feel like you are forgotten, when you feel like no one sees you, value the power of the Holy Spirit. Value the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit two major ways that he leads us. One, the Holy Spirit can lead us through hard situations. In Genesis 41, verse 1, skip over to the next chapter. Two full years later, Joseph communicates. Joseph is faithful. Joseph does all the right things to be noticed by the right people. And yet this is what happens. Two years later, he's still in prison. But then the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, dreamed again, standing on the bank of the Nile. And the Pharaoh gives him two dreams. The Holy Spirit can lead us through hard situations. How did Joseph survive two years after being so faithfully committed by relying on the Holy Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing your, what your sinful nature craves. Joseph had every right to be bitter, to struggle, to be mad, to be angry. He was left in prison after he did a favor. He was forgotten about after he showed someone he cared. And yet, he let the Holy Spirit guide his life. I love what Francis Chan, author and pastor, he says this. If I were Satan, the ultimate goal was, if I were to be Satan 
and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get the churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. We have to be leaning in to the Holy Spirit to help us through hard times. Secondly, when we value the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can give us wisdom with people. Some of the most overlooked X factor that you can have is that the Holy Spirit can help you within your relationships. Joe was in jail. He was struggling. Pharaoh was having dreams. He was talking about these seven healthy cows to the seven scrawny cows, talking about the seven heads of grain to the shriveled seven heads of grain. The Pharaoh is sitting there once again. There's six dreams that take place in Joseph's story. And he's saying, I need someone to help me with these dreams. Looks across the land of Egypt, struggling to find none of his magicians. No one can, can pull up. And finally, there's this man, there's this cupbearer that remembers his experience some two years ago with this man by the name of Joseph. Now, I would infer and I would express to you, strongly emphasize to you that the reason that the cupbearer referred Joseph wasn't because he... He was caring for Joseph, but wanted more of his own stature to come into place. Like, hey, Pharaoh, I might find your result. I might find who uh, give you an answer to your dreams you're looking at. But then Joseph shows up. He's in the courts going from prison and he shows up. This is a mark of Joseph's life. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. Pharaoh's like, hey, interpret this dream. They're saying, hey, we're, we're receiving that. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man, obviously filled with the the Spirit of God, obviously filled with the Holy Spirit? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent and wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all of my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have rank higher than yours. So he goes from the prison to the palace, forgotten about to being favored. Because he's forgotten about, he's favored through his faithfulness to God. God handled the rest. Value the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Value the work of the Holy Spirit with people. Say, God, what kind of relationship? God, I'm forgotten about. God, I need your Holy Spirit in my life to lead me, to guide me, to show me how to to follow you more appropriately. Lord, let me be consumed with being faithful to you. God, let me be consumed with being obedient. God, let me be consumed with being in part of your church, serving your church, meeting the needs, seeing the needs. God, let me be faithful. Lord, the Holy Spirit, lead me in my life. One of the greatest prayers you can pray is, Lord, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Lead me today. Challenge me. Encourage me. Give me comfort. Push me beyond my limits. Because listen, there's a lot of adversity in life. There's adversity in our relationships, in our friendships, in our marriages, with our co-workers, with our bosses, with everyone around us. And the greatest X factor that you can help foster and build a great relationship is having and respecting the value of the Holy Spirit's power in your life. Holy Spirit, I need your power in my marriage. Holy Spirit, I need your power at work. Holy Spirit, I need your power to to help me build a new friendship. Joseph's mark. There's no one else like Egypt that had the Spirit of God on him. So if you feel forgotten by people right now, I want you to remember these four things. God favors the faithful. Think about how you want to be noticed. Own the responsibility to communicate what might be plighting you. And value the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you. 
I'm gonna pray for two groups of people and then we're gonna enter into a time of communion. First group of people that I wanna pray over are those in this place you feel forgotten about, you feel like God doesn't see you, you feel like you're not noticed. Start with faithfulness. And the first step to faithfulness is starting a relationship with Jesus. Make that your Make that what your mind is consumed. God, how am I faithful to you? I feel like I'm overlooked. God, how can I be faithful to you? What do I need to do? God, let me be faithful to your church. Let me be faithful in my community. Let me be faithful in the way I serve. Let me be faithful in everything I do. Start a relationship with Jesus. We see this in John chapter 3, verse 16. Very popular verse. For this is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's a starting point. Know this, that if you feel forgotten, God sees you. If you feel forgotten, God knows you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, ever abandon you. God wants to have a relationship with you. So you might come in here with some relationship baggage, hang-ups, mess-ups, hurts, pain. God sees you. And your faithfulness to him begins with a faithfulness relationship to him. So I want to pray over those who are looking to start a relationship with Jesus. But I also want to pray over those you're desiring to have some favor in life. You feel forgotten about. No, God hasn't forgotten about you. Hang in there. Hang in there. Let's pray. God, we give you this time and we just worship you and we just praise you right now. Lord, we know there's seasons, there's moments where we feel like we are forgotten about. We know there's adversity in our relationships. We know we have some social struggles. God, specifically, we're praying for those in this place who feel overlooked, not seen, struggling in their relationships, and and just having a, a, a vibrant connection with people in their world. Lord, we pray right now that you bring favor into their lives, and you bring that favor by them pursuing favor with you. First and foremost, help them be noticed the right way, God. Help them to value the Holy Spirit. We ask that in your name. Lord, we also pray with those right now who are looking to start a relationship with you, who know that there's some voids in life. Lord, may they believe and confess with their mouth that you are Lord, that Jesus, you are Lord. Lead them right now. Give them bold steps make a decision to declare you the king of kings, lord of lords, and the ruler and leader in their life. We give them to you right now, Lord. Lead them and bless them. And in your great and holy name, we all say, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.